Greet each one in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and uh, among Christian people. Welcome each of the visitors here and my sister as well. I haven't met her yet, but I see her. So thank you for being here. Thinking about um, relationships uh, for the message today. Thinking about um, our relationships with God, maybe first a little bit, and with people as well. Um, if, if our relationship with God is <clears throat> strained and not current, um, I think our people relationships will also be that way. Uh, we can say maybe some people um, we just can't get along with. And maybe, maybe that's true. Um, I'd like to suggest that um, when we can't get along with someone that we would check our own lives. <clears throat> what, what is it? Um, maybe there's something in our lives that has something to do with that relationship. <clears throat> when we look at relationship problems, we tend to call it conflict, and it were well, well may be conflict might not be. Um, We also tend to shy away from conflict and hope beyond hope that it'll heal itself. Normally that doesn't work. I recently listened to um, Hector Troyer on Strength to Strength in his message about conflict. He doesn't like conflict either. Um, But he says that conflict is misalignment. Um, We are misaligned with someone else that we have conflict with. And in resolving that, we don't need to know who's at fault. Uh, when we're making peace or when we're resolving conflict, we don't need to know who's, who's at fault or who is the mostly at fault or, or whatever. Those things, that we don't need to know. <clears throat> um, we need to manage our defensiveness, he says. And when be, we become defensive, our IQ drops 20%. Interesting. <clears throat> Yeah, like I said, I'd like to talk about a little bit about relating with God and then um, relating with people as well. Uh, first of all, I have a couple examples uh, in the Bible about um, with God relating to man, and then two examples of Jesus relating to man or women, and then um, an example in the Bible about a close relative relation and the early church um, relation. And then some hindrances to good relationships, and then 12 points in what it takes to have good relationships. <clears throat> so turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3 for the first example. <clears throat> well known story here. Just read a few verses. Um, Genesis 3, 8 to 19. And they heard the voice, this is Adam and Eve, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? 
Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow, and thy conception, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall I bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till, thy, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. <coughs> So here we have um, an example of relationship that Adam and Eve had with God. Um, the beginning, I think, was, was good. Um, they communed with God a lot. And, um, when they, and here's an example of, of when they <coughs> committed sin and how um, that all worked. God initiated the encounter or the restoration. Um, when man falls, God, wa God wants him to be restored. Um, he wants us to be restored with himself. I don't believe God came to Adam and Eve in anger and a I told you so attitude. He asked a simple question. <clears throat> Adam, where art thou? And I gather by this question that before this time, Adam and Eve came to meet God when they heard the voice of the Lord God in the cool of the day. They were not hiding. They, they wanted to see God. They, they came out and, and met with God and, and communed and talked and <clears throat> whatever. But this time was different. Sin separates us not only from God, but also can separate us from other people. Adam replies to God in honesty, um, the woman that thou gavest me gave me to eat. And I, or I gave me and I did eat. It's interesting and, and maybe sobering that God called Adam into question, not Eve. When they finally came out of the, the bushes to meet God, why didn't God question Eve? He questioned Adam. Adam was the one that God had told um, what he could eat or what he could have and what he couldn't have on the, in the garden. <clears throat> so therefore, God asked Adam what, what is happening, what's going on. Adam was the one responsible. He was the leader. Did or Adam failed in being the leader and informing Eve or at least reminding her of what God commanded them. Maybe he told her, but he could have reminded her at that time when she was tempted. 
Verse 14, God does not disagree with Adam or with Eve in the blame that they passed to Eve and to the serpent. God doesn't disagree with that. <clears throat> Although God related with Adam and Eve in love and mercy, God gave a consequence to each of them. Verse 17, Adam was not willing to stand on the truth of God. His consequences comes because he listened to his wife in direct disobedience to what God had told him. Standing there, taking part of it um, when he um, knew it was direct disobedience to what God had told him. <clears throat> it's interesting to see how God doesn't just give them their consequence or wrong and lets them sit in verse 21. But he provides them what they need to cover themselves and a promise that someday Satan will be defeated. In the same way, God gives us all that we need to be able to relate with people who are hard to get along with and himself as well. The next one is Cain and Abel in chapter 4. God also um, comes to Cain after he kills his brother Abel. And there's um, a relation, relation going back and forth there, a conversation. <clears throat> I'll just read the first eight verses. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. Unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. <clears throat> it's not Abel, it's not because Cain was a farmer that God seemingly was against Cain. He was a tiller of the ground, but I don't think that um, was the problem. <clears throat> Abel was a keeper of sheep. In verse 5, Cain was wroth and his countenance fell. Um, he had an inner problem, inner struggle. Um, and God warned him. He told him that... If sin lies at the door, um, yeah, what are you going to do about it? If you do well, um, don't you think you'll be accepted? But if sin lies at the door, then what do you think is going to happen? <clears throat> sin will always hinder our relationship with God. Verse 8, um, Cain talks with Abel. In anger and hatred and jealousy, irrational, uh, was not thinking straight, 
and he takes his life. <clears throat> Cain did not have a good relationship with God or oh, man here. Um, but if we have bad relationship with God, um, we, we may end up um, killing someone. Maybe not, maybe not physically, but um, emotionally and, and uh, spiritually. <clears throat> few verses in 1 John um, 2, He that saith he is in the light, hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes, just as Cain's eyes were blinded. Verse, uh, verse 12 Chapter 3, verse 12, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. And verse 15, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And chapter 4, verse 20, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? <clears throat> so our relationship with God has um, something to do with our relationship with our brother, with our um, fellow man. <clears throat> now we'll turn to John chapter 8. Jesus relating to the woman taken in adultery. story is taken um, from verses 3 to 11 there. seems like Jesus, in verse 6, Jesus ignored the accusers. Um, he had men there that were accusing this woman of adultery. And um, Jesus just stoops down and starts writing on the ground, um, ignoring what they were saying or seemed like. And then verse 7, he says... Um, whoever is without sin, why don't you cast the first stone? Because they were, they were thinking that Jesus is going to say to stone her. The law said that to stone her. Um, but they were asking Jesus what he thought. <clears throat> Jesus here um, exposed the sin of the accusers. Because they obviously weren't without sin because they seen yeah they all walked off <clears throat> it's not that we can't help people by exposing their sin but we need to be very careful that we don't only look at what they did but also check our own life before we go and help others here these men were accusing um, of sin and they also had sin in their lives Don't have the attitude that you would have never done that. Uh, we need to be humble. Remember that we are sinners saved by grace. Jesus betrayed the ultimate example of forgiveness, kindness, and mercy. And then um, John chapter 4, where Jesus um, relates with the woman at the well. Jesus was kind and understanding. 
Um, yet he exposed sin in her life. Um, he somehow, yeah, he knew what to say and how to say it and get to the sin and not um, offend her. She said that he said everything that I ever did <clears throat> when she went back to town to tell the people who, who she met. Um, how would we respond if somebody would tell us everything that we ever did? When we relate with people who have sin in their lives, we need kindness, love, and a desire for restoration, yet firmness because God hates sin. I think Jesus' um, goal was to restore this woman or to um, get her to believe in himself, obviously. And um, that's our, should be our goal as well in confronting people is restoration. <clears throat> and downgrading and making people feel worthless um, doesn't bring that restoration. Okay, those are examples of God and uh, Jesus relating to people. And I will go to Abraham and Lot in Genesis 13. <clears throat> Genesis 13, verses 5 through 9. <clears throat> And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the parasite dwelt then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. <coughs> Abraham um, was very wise here in um, discerning a strife coming. Um, if he would have ignored it, um, it would have got worse, I'm sure. Their herdsmen were already um, striving together and, and wanting um, a certain pasture because they needed um, feed for their animals and back and forth. Was, the land wasn't big enough for them all. They had to go too far for feed. <clears throat> they had many cattle and sheep. It's hard to find um, yeah, pasture close enough. Abraham's um, wisdom um, in, in that, in, in taking care of uh, potential strife um, was, yeah, was, was a challenge to me. It um, was really interesting how he, how he did that. He portrayed peace, love, and unselfishness as he did that. Um, he gave Lot uh, first choice and then... He said he'd take, take the rest, whatever's left. And I don't know what, what, how much of an area that was, but yeah. 
he was unselfish in that. These, this peace, love, and unselfishness um, demonstrated in Abraham is, is also needful in, in good relationships as well um, today. <clears throat> okay, then in Acts 15, is the last example that I have of Paul and Barnabas. In their um, contention, I'll read Acts fifteen thirty six to forty one. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. <clears throat> this um, contention seemed to be towards John Mark uh, more than towards Barnabas. Um, I think John Mark was the reason or, yeah, the reason for Paul's um, contention or whatever with Barnabas, because Barnabas wanted to take him. Paul had mistrust in John Mark uh, because he left in the last missionary journey um, in the middle of it. He didn't go with Paul to the end or finish it. He dropped out, you might say. And so I'm not sure if Paul never, never had any involvement uh, between that and his this other uh, second missionary journey they were going on, um, or not, I'm not sure. Um, did he have solid grounds to deny John Mark to go with them? I, I don't know. <clears throat> but Barnabas seen seen something or a change in John Mark and was wanting to take him with, and so the contention um, fired up. Paul was not convinced that he wanted to take John Mark along. There are times when you can have a pretty strong opinion about someone or some circumstance like Paul had towards John Mark. We also, or Paul later changed his mind. I think um, he understood that John Mark did change in 2 Timothy 4.11. Um, he says, Paul says, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for it is profitable, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. So, yeah. John Mark's seemingly wavering um, earlier, um, he also became a steady, zealous, and useful man, and Paul recognized that. <coughs> Okay, now some hindrances to good relationships. I 
the first one I have is fear. I think if we fear someone in the wrong, wrong kind of fear, we are not going to talk to them much. Um, if we fear maybe being hurt, if we fear um, a strong comeback, um, we're, not, we're not going to want to relate um, to that person. The petrifying fear um, is not of God. The fear that keeps us from talking when we should be talking is not of God. I trust we have better relationships than that. Um, the next one is dominating conversations. Um, these are hindrances to good relationships. Dominating conversations. We all know, you know that some people talk more than others. Um, that's not what I mean. Um, if dominating conversation, if you are always ready or maybe before the other person gets done talking, you are ready to say something right away. Um, trying to stay on top of it by your words um, versus his words. Dominating conversation um, portrays the attitude of, I don't, I don't care what you say. Um, I'm not listening to what you're saying. <clears throat> In Proverbs 16, uh, verse 28, a froward man soweth strife, and a whisper separateth chief friends. So I have whisper as a part of um, a hindrance to good relation. And a whisper is uh, someone who secretly carries tales from one to another, publishing those evil words and actions which they should conceal and by that, detracting from their good actions. <clears throat> so, yeah, secretly carrying things, evil words. Um, that is the definition of a whisper in, act, in Proverbs there. Yeah, the next one is a show of anger or heated words or unkind tone of voice. Uh, that... Does not is, is a hindrance to good relationships, good re relating. And already talked a little bit about this, but deaf ears, deaf ears to the other person in the relationship. Um, that is a hindrance in in close relationships. And a better than thou nose in the air attitude. I know just a little bit more than you do. Um, that is a big hindrance um, to good relationships. <clears throat> okay, 12 points to a good relationship. Number one is godliness. Godliness is the quality or practice of conforming to the laws and wishes of God, devoutness and moral uprightness. To be wise is to live in godliness, reflecting the nature of the kingdom of God in the course of everyday life. We need godliness in our relationships. 
reflecting the nature of the kingdom of God in the course of everyday life. And our relationships uh, with people are in our everyday life. We should reflect the nature of the kingdom of God in our relationships with others. Good relationships take godliness, takes godliness. Good relationships take love, um, agape love, sacrificial love, love that goes a second mile. First Corinthians thirteen four to seven, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. We should practice this kind of love in our relationships. Number three is forgiveness. Good relationships take forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And Matthew 6.14 and 15, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness um, is important. We all make mistakes. We all sin. We all need forgiveness from God. We all need forgiveness from each other. Um, yeah, let's practice forgiveness in our relationships. <clears throat> if we don't forgive, God can't forgive us. Number four is good relationships take wisdom, um, the wisdom from above. James three seventeen and 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Practicing um, godly wisdom and practicing peace and mercy, um, good fruits, um, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Practicing these will, um, will help um, our relationships. <clears throat> Good relationships take kindness, is number five. Colossians 3.12, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. We have kindness in that list. Um, to practice kindness, um, thinking about others more than ourselves. In if we desire to have good relationships. Number six is humility, which we've been hearing a lot about the last while. Uh, good relationships take humility. 
Humble yourselves, James 4.10, in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter 5.5, likewise, younger, submit yourselves unto the elderly. All of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. How does clothe, being clothed with humility look like? Um, how do you clothe yourself with humility? Good relationships take humility. Number seven, good relationships take honesty. First Peter 2.12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works that they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. This is talking about um, maybe not church people here in this verse, but... Um, Having our conversation honest is very important. Luke eight fifteen, but but that on a good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Having an honest heart in relating to to each other um, is yeah very important. Number eight, good relationships take time and patience. Ecclesiastes 3.11, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he has set the world in their hearts, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. So spending time in a relationship is beautiful, men. Um, yes, it takes time, but it is worth it. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Time spent in a relationship is never wasted when we follow godly relational skills. Time spent in a relationship is never wasted. Time is a commodity that um, is very low nowadays. Or we think it is. <clears throat> Number nine, good relationships take effort. Good relationships don't just happen. It takes effort. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. Talks about effort, being strong. Ephesians 6, 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It takes God's power, God's might in our lives to have... Um, Good relations among each other. Second Timothy two one. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, our relationship with God takes effort and planning to stay current with Him, and I think so it is with um, our other relationships with people as well. It takes effort and planning. Number 10 is um, a listening ear. Good relationships take a listening ear. 
Matthew eleven fifteen. He that if he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Um, God gave us two ears and one mouth. Why is that? <clears throat> ears are made to hear. Um, now um, our mouth is made to speak. Um, yes, we need to speak um, when it when we need to speak, and not. Um, can't forget that as well, but we need to, we need to have the quality of listening. Um, Jesus says a lot in the, in the New Testament, um, in the Gospels, about um, if you have ears, um, basically use them. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. I think I can um, work at that in my life, listening. Number 11 is good relationships take communication. And uh, maybe that is contradictory with my last point about listening. Um, we need to listen. We also need to communicate. Listening and communicating um, properly is very important in relationships. We need both. We can't just listen and not say anything. And just a an example or a um, thing about my relationships with my wife. You know, I can think about something for a long time, and then I present it to my wife and would like an answer. Um, it's my tendency, um, but if we allow allow the other person to have the time to think about that we thought about it. Um, that, that is good. That is better. Takes communication. And number 12, um, good relationships takes rejoicing with each other. When something is lost, um, do we tell our friends? When something is found, do we tell them? Um, like the widow who lost her lost her coin. Um, it says that after she found it, she she um, called her neighbors in and to rejoice with her. I am assuming that she called them and told them about her missing coin before, or told them about her missing coin as well. Um, communication. Um, Allowing people to walk alongside of us um, helps in our relationships. There's, as a 12 here, there's many more. I think a lot of these that I talked about come under godliness. Um, I think the three most important in this list, this list is time, communication, and godliness. And the humility, love, forgiveness, wisdom, kindness, humility, and honesty, all those come under uh, godliness. Um, but, yeah, the three that I stuck out to me the most was time, communication, and godliness to have good relationships. When there are relationship strains, could we be so kind to each other to look at our own lives? And I know it's hard to see our lives correctly, but we can ask others to help us see ourselves for who we are. 
And maybe when we take a look at ourselves, um, some of these maybe relationship issues aren't, won't be as big. <clears throat> so I found that out in my life. We need to allow God to give us the grace and wisdom to work with those who are hard to get along with. Maybe if we can't get along with someone, could it be that it's our problem, not the other person? To be wise is to live in godliness, reflecting the nature of the kingdom of God in the course of everyday life. And time spent in a relationship is never wasted when we follow godly relational skills. God bless you in your um, relationships with each other. Let's kneel for prayer.